you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. So, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Do you agree with that? You know, really that's all God has is ordinary people. I'm ordinary, you're ordinary. But God makes it extraordinary by putting his supernatural on our natural. And then it becomes extraordinary. You know, God isn't looking for the most beautiful. He's not looking for the most talented. He's not looking for the, the rich and the famous. He just wants somebody that's willing obedient and available and when he has those ingredients there is nothing that is impossible that he can do through you and that's what the word says so let's take a a look at a famous mother in the bible mother or mary the mother of jesus she was an ordinary young woman her parents were not exceptionally wealthy they were not socialites in the community They were not celebrities, and they didn't hold high positions in their community. They were just common, everyday people. And she was just a common, ordinary young woman, but she loved God with all of her heart. So I want to read from Luke. If you'll turn with me there, Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 through 38. And this is the New King James Version. It says, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph from the family of David. The young lady's name was Mary. The angel said to her, good morning, beautiful, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed and favored are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his message and she considered what kind of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid or agitated, for you found favor with God, and you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the son and call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and to his kingdom there will be no end." And Mary said to the angel, Now how can this happen since I've never been with a man? And Gabriel said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Also, Elizabeth, your cousin, has also conceived a son in her elder years, and this is now the sixth month of her pregnancy. And she used to be called barren. But with God, nothing is impossible. So Mary said to the angel, Well, I'm the Lord's handmaiden. Let it be to me according to your word. And then Gabriel left. Do you notice Mary's response? She wasn't paralyzed with fear. She did not freak out when Gabriel came and he spoke to her. She was more perplexed trying to figure out What was this message? What did he mean? When you look up that word fear, that's what it means. She wasn't terrorized and paralyzed with fear to the point of 
trembling. She was more perplexed trying to figure out, why is he here and and what does this mean? Like, what, what is this all about? So she didn't cower in the presence of that angel or at the assignment given to her. And she didn't start making excuses at the daunting task that was in front of her. That really captured me because, you know, a lot of us, the Lord has asked us to do something and we're like, you want me to do what? Right? Like, you don't understand what, what's at stake here. I, I, can't, I can't do that. I don't have the experience. I don't have the talent. I don't have the finances. I don't have the backing. Do you understand what I've done? No. I, I'm not the one. But she didn't do that. How many of us would have jumped out of our skin if we saw an angel? We may have. But isn't it interesting that she didn't? You know, it had been, there was a 400-year period of time. There was called uh, the period of silence. God wasn't speaking to his people from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There wasn't any angelic visitations. There wasn't any manifestations. God wasn't speaking to his people So, when he visited her, it's a miracle that she just didn't freak out and say, not me. Right? I think she knew, because we know that the Jewish people told, they they knew the history of their God. And she knew about Abraham. She knew about Isaac. She knew about Jacob. She knew about Joseph. And so when he came to her, she wasn't startled. We can agree that Mary's world was turned upside down after that visit, don't you think so? This was a game changer. This is not going to be a normal engagement or a normal marriage. Things changed. You know, they had their way of doing things. They were were engaged for a long period of time and then they had the ceremony. But... He said, you're going to conceive. That was a now thing. So this changed everything. But Mary did not let this assignment rock her world. She didn't turn to the wrong things to cope with it either. A lot of times when God asks us to do things, we'll turn to something to help us to cope with that. She said, be it unto me according to your word. What you have said, she took that assignment. She owned it. We've got to learn to do that. We can't be afraid of what God tells us to do. We've got to own it and we've got to do it. You know, God will never, um, when he asks you to do something, he will always give you the equipment, the tools to carry it out. He's never going to ask you to do something and not enable you to do it. And we're going to see that he enabled Mary to do that thing. But God is a good God. There are some times that he asks us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. But that's a good thing. That's for our growth. A few months ago, there's something that he asked me to do, to share about my life. And I said, you don't understand what you're asking me to do. You may say to me, Pastor Sheila, do you really talk to the Lord that way? Yes, I do. Because I'm real with him and he's real with me. I said, do you understand what you're asking me to do? My reputation is at stake here. He kind of laughed and went, whose reputation? 
I am not to make unto myself a reputation. I'm not trying to, I can't save myself. Right? So you have to understand what was at stake here for Mary. You know, she could have been stoned to death being pregnant before she was married. They could have ostracized her from the city. She had to go and tell Joseph, okay, sweating. Okay, Joseph, I'm not crazy. I'm really not crazy. But I had this angelic visit. And, and he said that I was going to conceive and I was going to bear a son. And it, it wasn't going to be because we, we had been together. So she had to go tell him this. That could have been, that, I'm sure that was scary. Don't you think so? You've got to go tell the man that you're engaged to that you're going to be pregnant or you're already pregnant. That had never happened before. It's never happened since either. And never will. So I'm sure she was scared. However, God in his goodness, God in, he's such a good father, he prepared Joseph. See? If God asks you to do something, he will always, always prepare the way. Always. He will, he will bring heaven and earth and they will meet. He will part the Red Sea. He will do whatever he needs to do to equip you, to give you the tools. He gave you the belt. He'll give you the tools to put in the belt or the box, whatever you want to call it. Whether you have a toolbox or a tool belt. I have a toolbox. And I have tools in it. And they're there when I need them. So God does the same thing. Mary was willing and obedient. Her heart was submitted to God. That's the thing that is key right there. We have to come under submission to the will of God. That's what submit is not a bad word. It has become a bad word in the society that we live in. But really all we're doing is we're saying, I'm putting myself under your leadership, Lord, and I submit to the mission that you have for me, submission, under his mission, under his plan, his purpose, his destiny for my life and for yours. And that's what she did. Her heart was submitted to God. She wasn't obeying just for the sake of obeying with a bad attitude. We can do that sometimes. We can obey, but we've got a bad attitude. I'll do it, but I really don't want to. I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. Right? We've all heard that, and we may have said that. But God is looking for the willing and obedient. Right? The Word says when you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. His favor will be on you, but it's got to be coupled. It's both things working together. It's a team. Kind of like faith and patience are a team. They're a power couple. So is willing and obedience. They're a power team. And when we are willing and obedient, those things work together and it will part any sea. I'm telling you, when God wants a door open in your life, there's no devil in hell and there's no man on earth that will keep it shut. If God wants it open. Now, we've got to be willing and obedient to walk that road. 
Okay? But that willing and obedience comes from a place of humility. And God can do amazing things with that. Humility. Because to submit under the mission that God has, or his, I use the word mission, but it's plan, purpose. When we submit to that, that's humility. Because then it's not my will, but it's his will. Right? It's not my way, but it's his way. It's not about me, but it's about him. I must what? Decrease so that he can increase. Because when I decrease my will, my way, when I, the more, the less room that I make for me, the more room that I have for him. Right? And that's what the world needs. It needs the Jesus in me. Right? It needs the Jesus in you. Every person sitting in this room, everybody watching by video, by live stream. God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny just for you. There's a sphere of influence that only you can reach. God has called you to reach people that I will never reach. God's called you to reach people that I can never reach. That's why we've got to walk in sync with him. That's the most important thing is have a relationship with Jesus Christ and walk in sync with him so that we can do what he's called us to do. Mary's attitude kind of reminds me of Caleb. You know, at 85 years old, he said, give me that mountain. Give me that. Who at 85 is going to say, give me that mountain? I'm 55 and I don't even walk up Stone Mountain. <laughs> but that, he had such drive and passion and purpose. He knew his purpose. He, had, he was filled with passion. I want to be that way. Don't you? Have there been times that we've turned down God and we haven't said yes because we thought our world would be upside down or because it would have taken us out of our comfort zone? Have we not answered the Lord because it's what we didn't want to do? Perhaps we, can, we were concerned about what other people might think or how we would look. Have we been willing to look crazy for the cause of Christ? <laughs> what about this favor on Mary? The angel refers to her as favored three different times. Twice he uses the word favor. The other time he uses the word blessed. But really and truly, when you look them up all in the Greek, it means the same thing. It means favored one or blessed one. But he calls her that three different times. But Mary was not special or unique. Mary wasn't any more holy or perfect than you or I. God chose to work through ordinary people, ordinary, this ordinary young woman, because he needed something extraordinary done. Amen? And this way, no one can take credit for themselves. Only God. Because God is the only one that can do extraordinary things. So the favor of God was upon her to empower her to fulfill this assignment. That's what the favor was for. 
she would have not been able to accomplish this plan and purpose had it not been for that favor. The favor empowered her to fulfill the assignment and destiny that God gave her. This favor was for service, not status. This favor enabled Mary to serve her Lord. It wasn't to build her. You see, it wasn't to make her some venerated woman that we all worship. The favor wasn't to lift her up even higher than Jesus and be a mediator between her and God or her and Jesus. She's not the middleman. She's not Holy Mary. Yes, she was the mother of Jesus, but it wasn't to be any more holy than you and I. You were just as holy because the things that God puts within you, and gentlemen, you have a womb too. It's a spiritual womb, but men have a womb. There are things that you have to birth for your family. You have to birth the vision and the plan that God has for your life. Women aren't, we have a physical womb, but we all have a spiritual womb. And God places on the inside of all of us something to be carried. And you know, even though Mary carried Jesus, the, the Mary's job profile is kind of, we all have the same thing. There are things that God puts in every one of us that we carry out and we've got a birth to this generation. But this, but this favor for service enabled her to do what she needed to do. It wasn't to build her up. It wasn't to make her something um, to be worshipped. When God asks us to do something, when he gives us an assignment, when he opens a door, he always empowers us to do that thing. And that's what the favor is. That's what the blessing is for. So when you give from that place that is truly submitted to God, there's no better reward. You're not, it causes you not to be afraid it causes you not to hold back. But when you're truly submitted to him, when you truly give from that place, the fear is removed. When you're completely submitted. We've already established that God would not ask us to do something that he doesn't equip us to do. God will always give you the resources to accomplish the things that he's asked you to do. So that favor, we could also say that it was grace. It's his supernatural ability working in you. Grace and favor. Grace and favor. It enabled her to walk that journey. It wasn't an easy one. But she did it. Can you imagine having to birth Jesus, the Son of God? What a responsibility. Think about the things that went through her mind. And then she had other children. But yet she knew Jesus was different. He was set apart. He was the son of God. But then she had these other children. Imagine what men, went through her mind. I, I can't even imagine. I have one child. 
I kind of liken it to maybe a mother who had her own children and maybe someone who adopted other children. You, you know in, in your heart you don't want it to be different. In your mind you don't want it to be different, but you know there is a difference. How did she deal with all that? Grace. Favor. God helped her. The Bible isn't clear. It doesn't go into all these things. But as a human being, as a mom, we know that she dealt with all kinds of things, right? But the grace and the favor were upon her to walk that journey. It empowered her to give to Jesus what he needed as a mother and give to her other kids what they needed. In Philippians 4.13, this is the amplified version here. It says, this is Paul writing, and it's, it's amazing. He was in prison when he wrote this. He said, I can do all things which he has called me to do, Jesus. Through Jesus, who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to everything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. So it's in Christ's sufficiency we become sufficient. On our own, we're not sufficient. Right? He makes it sufficient. He makes us sufficient. When he comes upon us, when his super becomes comes upon our natural, it's supernatural. Amen? So the favor of God is on us for service. It's not for status. God's favor isn't solely to get us the best and closest parking space. It isn't to move us up first in line. It's not to push us up and push others back. His favor is never to be kept to ourselves. It's to benefit others. That's why God has put his grace and his favor upon you. It's to minister to the people in our sphere of at, in our atmosphere, in our sphere of influence. You know, a lot of times we, we thank God. Thank you for your favor, Lord. Get me a parking place. I need it up front. It's raining. I mean, I've done it. But in the scheme of, of true life, his favor is not upon me solely to get me the closest parking space or make me first in line so that I have to suffer a little bit, so that I'm inconvenienced. His favor isn't upon me, so I'm not inconvenienced. Jesus was truly inconvenienced by going to the cross and suffering what he did for me. Now, that's some serious inconvenience. But, you know, he didn't look at it that way. He did that so we could have his favor and fulfill that plan and that purpose and that destiny. We've got to get out of our little boxed-in mind and see people. We have to. It's not about just me. My life is not about just me. Every decision that I make, everything that I say, everywhere that I go, people are looking. People are watching. God is depending on you and I. This is a heavy thing I'm going to say. But nevertheless, it's true. We need to have this understanding that God is depending on you. God is depending on me. He is depending on me to listen. 
He is depending on me to obey. He's depending on me to be willing. Did you know that you are Jesus on the earth? Jesus is in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not here anymore. It's up to you and I. If you and I don't go, if you and I don't speak, if you and I don't share, how will they hear? How will they know? They won't. You and I have got to be willing. It can't be just about us four and no more and living and making sure I'm good and I'm okay and I'm not suffering and I'm not uh, inconvenienced. Yes, God wants you blessed. He wants you prosperous. He wants you well. Absolutely. He wants you to have a good life. Most assuredly. But it's to share with others. It's to be a blessing to others. God wants to bless you and I so we can what? Be a blessing to others. So we've got to get out of our four, our little, our mind. We have to get out of our own mind. Do you ever find yourself, I'm just staying in my own mind. I've got to get out of my mind and get into the mind of Christ. The word says we have the mind of Christ. But his favor is never to be kept to ourselves. Because when we keep it to ourselves, then God can't do the impossible. In verse 37, what does he say to her? Because he had just told her, your cousin Elizabeth, who was called barren in her older age, is, she's can already conceived and she's carrying a son. Actually, it was the sixth month of her pregnancy, so she only had three more months before John would be born. That was a miracle in itself right there, right? But look at this. What does it say? Gabriel tells Mary that Elizabeth, her cousin, is pregnant at her elderly age, and he closes the conversation with this. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's the amplified version. Bottom line, all things with God are possible. So if God's called you to do it and it looks impossible, that's the way you might see it. God says it's possible. If God told you to do it, then it's possible. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how impossible it might look. I don't care what it looks like. You can't be moved by the way it looks. If you're believing God for something and it hasn't come to pass yet, you hang on. Abraham had to wait 25 years for Isaac. Aren't you glad he waited? We wouldn't be here if he didn't wait. So Mary's response was, Yes, absolutely. I'm the right one. You've chosen right. I'm your girl. Let it be as you have said. So like I said before, when God's desire is to have a door open, there's no devil in hell. There's no man on earth that can keep that door shut. And when you, you have to know that, you've got to believe that this is true. We are called believers, and believers what? What do believers do? They believe. What do we believe? The Word. 
We don't believe it sometimes when it looks believable. We don't believe it when it looks believable. And we do that. A lot of times, well, I can, I can see, I can see that. Uh-huh. I, I can see that. Because you can do it. You can get it done yourself. But what about if God asked you to do something that there is absolutely no way, there's no way you could do it? What is our response? I don't know. Is that our response? We should go, yes, absolutely, I'm the one. I'm it. Now, Lord, I don't know how, but if you've called me to do this, you're going to bring it to pass. Because when he calls you to do something, he doesn't really call you to do. He doesn't ask you to do something that you can do within yourself, with your own talents, abilities, and knowledge, and resources, right? It's always going to require faith. He's a faith God. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, He's not pleased unless you move in faith and you, you live in faith. So everything we do has to be by faith. So there are times that you have to step out there and there, there's, there's nothing to step on. But you step out there anyway, and it will be there. I've had to do that many times. It feels like you're walking off the cliff. But you won't walk off the cliff. When God calls you to do something, he doesn't call it to fail. That's when I fly, I'm not scared. Because God hasn't called me to do something to have me perish before the assignment's finished. He doesn't work like that. When he asks you to do something, he's going to make sure that you can follow it through. Now, our big key here is we've got to be tuned in. Sometimes you've got to finely tune. I mean, it's some serious tweaking here. Serious tweaking Sometimes it means turning off your Facebook. It means turning off your phone. It means turning off the TV. It means turning off the news. It means turning off all those voices that are yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that will discourage you. It will detour you. It will depress you. So you've got to finely tune your ear. I think in the days that we live in, the devil is working really, really hard to throw things against his people. I've never seen sickness and disease come against believers more in this day than I have. So are we going to just sit back and be a weak church and a sick church and a dying church? God forbid. We've got to rise up and say, no, you're messing with the wrong people. You're messing with the wrong people. He's messing with the, he's messing with the wrong person, Alvin. Z-snap him. Shanae is going to come out. You got to Z snap the devil and say, No, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you by the authority of the blood. The blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Cancer, you bow your knee. Financial problems, you bow your knee. Now, that's the supernatural. Now, here's the natural, okay? Are you ready? Put your big girl and big boy britches on. There may be some changes that you have to make. Eating changes. Budgeting changes. But there, you know, we can't just speak to stuff and make it happen. There's some things that's the supernatural and natural working together. There's some things that we have to do on our part too. Okay? Because that's how, that's how it works. God does his part, but we have to do our part. And we can't keep eating all the wrong stuff, wrong stuff, wrong stuff. God heal me, God heal me, but I'm eating the wrong stuff. But you don't understand. I love potato chips and ice cream. Or I love sugar. You know what I'm saying? So there's, we, it works together. Our part and God's part. But oh my goodness, when they come together, it's powerful. I love this scripture in 1 Thessalonians 2, chapter 13. Go with me there, please. I think this is in the Amplified Version that I'm going to read. This is Paul, and he's talking. He says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which is also effectively works in you who believe. Actually, that wasn't the Amplified. I think that was the New King James. Let me read you. You're going to love this. In the Amplified. You ready? It's going to become your favorite verse. And we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually, effectually at work in you who believe exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to it, trust in, and rely on it. Hmm. Did that say superhuman? Yes, it did. You know, there's a fascination with the supernatural. There's a fascination with superpowers. Look at all these Avenger movies. They make billions and billions of dollars, and they're great movies. I love them. <laughs> However, that's not real. There is no Iron Man, except, well, my husband is Iron Man. <laughs> He's not Iron Man, okay? But truly, those, those superheroes don't exist in the natural world in which we live. They're not there to defend us and get us out of trouble. But you know what? The Word of God has supernatural, superhuman power. And so it says when we believe it, when we receive it, when we act on it, it works 
this energizing superhuman power through us. That's the favor that Mary had on her. Esther had it on her too. It was a different dispensation. But think about this. The story of Esther, just it, I can read it every day and I see something new. But that's just the way the Word of God is. Every time you read it, you see something new. Because why? It's not just a book. This is alive. This is actually living. It's actually a bag of seed. And when you sow that, something happens. Right? When you sow seed in the ground, you want to see a harvest of something, whether it's in your garden as a vegetable or it's a flower in your, in your flower bed. This produces a harvest. So Esther, it's amazing, the story. But let me tell you something. This word effectually in 1 Thessalonians, in the Greek it means active operation. The working of power to bring effective results. So the word of God works in you, bringing, it's operative. It's operative. It means it's doing something. It's accomplishing something. And then when you give that word an assignment, when you're praying over something, the word of God has an assignment on that thing that you're praying for. And it says when you pray the word, God's word won't return to you what? Void. It won't return back to you without accomplishing the assignment that you gave it. That's why you've got to pray the word. You've got to sow the word. Not my word. I can't get up here and talk about my experiences. Because they hold no power. They can encourage you, but they hold no power. Only God's word has the power. Before I get to Esther, I want to talk about the favor comes with a price tag, though. There will be those who um, might not like you when you operate, operate in the favor of God. It might not make you the most popular person. Not everybody will think you're so awesome. And it usually means your plans are interrupted so that you can complete the assignment of the Almighty. And I can guarantee that the timing that he needs you to do something doesn't really fit with your schedule. Has everybody experienced that? But in the end, don't you look back and you go, it just didn't matter. Because there's such a peace and a fulfillment that you obeyed God. It's in that obedience, it's walking in that obedience that it brings such a satisfaction. You know? You know what I mean? It may mean that you have to choose between the favor of God and the favor of man. You can have both, absolutely. Jesus had the favor of God and the favor of man upon his life. But there are sometimes... Um, that you have to obey God and what he wants you to do and man may say, well, you don't have my favor anymore. I don't think you're all that anymore. But what are we going to do? Are we going to obey God or do we want to please man? Right? It may mean that you look crazy because nobody understands you. I've been there. 
The Lord told me to do this. The Lord told us to do that. What? Well, why? Well, I don't exactly know, but I'm just, we're going to walk in obedience. You may not even understand yourself. A lot of times God doesn't give you the full picture. He just wants you to know, he wants to know that you're going to step out in obedience to him. It's what? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. A lot of times he doesn't give you the whole course because it's too much to handle. It's too much to see at one time. So we have to walk it out one step at a time. And with each step, there's a little bit more light that's shown. Having God's favor means that you've got to go it alone sometimes because it's you have to get with him. He downloads what he wants you to do because only you and he know what's being conceived at this very moment and you've got to carry it out. But isn't it worth the price at having the favor of God upon your life and then carrying that out? And then saying, Lord, this is not for me. This is for your glory. It's not for my status. It's not for my being famous or being known. This is for your glory to help people. Because it's all about people. God is looking for people to believe that he is who he says he is. And that he will do what he said he will do. God is looking for people that will simply believe his word and move out in obedience to it. You know, Esther was like that. Esther was an orphan. Esther was adopted. Esther was a captive in Persia that wasn't even her country. She didn't know the language. She didn't know the culture. She was completely out of her realm of familiarity. Everything she knew was not there. And you guys know the story. She was taken captive to Persia. She was chosen among some young ladies to go before the king. It took a year-long process for this beauty treatment. Can you imagine? A year-long getting beautified before you could go to the king. That might be nice, huh? I don't know. I don't think I could stand it, though. But it took a year long, and then after that year process, then she was put in this group, and then there was a certain number that they took before the king, and the king chose the one that he thought was the most lovely. And so we know that Esther was chosen, right? So, because God needed her to fulfill an assignment to deliver her people. Her people were in captivity, and God had an assignment for her. So, isn't it interesting that God chose a minority? He chose an orphan. She was a foreigner, and she was a captive, and she was an adopted young lady. But God chose her. Really, it looked like nothing in the natural was going for her. I mean, in the natural, what was really going for Mary? She was willing and she was obedient. Esther was willing and she was obedient. So the favor of God was upon her and she was chosen to be queen. Now when her cousin came and told her, 
about the plan to wipe out the Jews, he encouraged her to go tell the king. But do you know what her response was? Her initial response was, you, you want me to do what? You want me to go tell him? If I go tell him and he doesn't call me in there, they're going to kill me. He could kill me. I, I, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I, I, I'm, it's a risk to my life. But then what did Mordecai say? He said, listen, if you stay silent and you don't tell the king, God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else. And don't think that you will be saved. It will cost you your life. Now, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, okay? But that's what she said. She said, I can't. And he said, don't think that you can stay there and not say anything and it will bypass you. You will be killed. But God will raise up someone else. So she went away and she agreed. Yes, okay, I'll do it. And if I perish, then I perish. So she had that little struggle there. Do, do I obey or do I not? Do I obey or do I not? We see that. So she was very human. We see that in Mary's was very human too. Because she was like, what, what is he doing here? What, what does this mean? And she even said, how is this going to happen? But notice she didn't have a bad attitude in her heart. Like there wasn't doubt behind it. Like, yeah, well, how's that going to happen? No, it was, it was sincere. Like, how am I going to conceive if I'm not going to be with a man? That's a legitimate question, right? So in her, the purity of the question, the angel answered her. And in Esther's, you know, in the deliberation that she had going on for the time that she did, she said, I'm going to obey. I'm not going to tell the Lord no. And we know what happened. She went and told the king. The course of action happened. Haman was hanged. The people were delivered. Haman was the guy that it all came through. But ultimately, the point is, Esther obeyed. Esther was willing. She was willing and obedient. And she said, God used her and she saved her people. Or God saved them through her. So, we have to make what we know about God greater than what we know about the future and what we know about the present. Your knowledge of God has got to be greater than what you know about the present and about the future. Amen? Because that's what carries us through. The favor of God rests upon you because you are His people, you are His child. You're his mother, you're his father, you're his young person. You belong to him. Bottom line, you belong to him. Don't ever get offended if someone calls you a child of God. That's the most precious thing in the world. God doesn't have, you know, on the earth we have grandchildren, right? There's grandchildren, there's great-grandchildren, there's nieces, there's nephews, there's all kinds of 
family relations, right? But in heaven, there's not. We're all his children. He doesn't have grandchildren. He just has children. And when you have a child, you love that child. And if you don't have a child, think if you've got a pet, you love that pet. If you're a single person and you're not married or maybe you have a girlfriend or boyfriend or, or maybe you don't have anything but you've got a pet and you love that pet. I'm not, I don't mean to liken it and, and dishonor that love, but I just want you to, you know how you love and you care. God loves and cares for you just like he does Jesus. You know, his relationship with you is no different than his relationship with Jesus. He loves you just as much. You are his child just as much as Jesus is his child. That's how great and deep his love is. Just like what we sang today, how great is your love for us? Do we comprehend it? Do we understand it? Do we grasp it? God loves you. And he has set his favor and his grace upon your life to do amazing things. Now don't compare. We do ourselves a disservice comparing. Don't compare what you do or what you've done to someone that's on TV or someone that you see on the internet. Great to God is being willing and obedient. Great and amazing to God is being willing and obedient. He doesn't measure whether you speak to thousands or whether you speak to a few. He doesn't measure greatness what your influence is. He measures whether you walk in what he told you to do. So today, Father, we yield ourselves. We yield ourselves to your, to your hands, to the plan that you have for our life, to the destiny that you have in our life. Thanks for listening to the LifeWay Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the LifeWay Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.